The following content is provided by MIT OpenCourseWare under a Creative Commons license. Additional information about our license and MIT OpenCourseWare in general is available at ocw.mit.edu. There's no new handout today. We're working off the old handout. If you don't have the old handout, you'll probably survive without it. Um, the last thing to say before I say something is that between this morning and this afternoon, I changed the end of the lecture. I decided I had a new idea, um, and we will discover whether it turns out to be a new idea when I hear it coming out of my mouth. Um, but if it slightly confuses the handout, I'm sorry. It's the product of actual thought. Um, all right, it is my belief, somebody remind me if I'm wrong, that we had gotten to the incidence part of this um, story about coercive sexual behavior and we had not gotten to the etiology part. Does that sound about right to people? Yep, okay. Um, <clears throat> let me see then. Um, what I want to do is to talk about some risk factors then. Um, and rather like the, uh, the eating disorder story, risk factors are risk factors. They're, they're, not, um, they're not by themselves causative. So, uh, and, and, and again, most of this is coming off of survey data. So, <clears throat> for example, um, one of the things that turns out to be a risk factor for, uh, a, a, for some sort of coercive relations uh, taking place is who pays for dinner. Um, and the, this, this is not because guys who pay for dinner are rapists. It's because some small fraction of um, folks who pay for dinner somehow think they paid for something else, perhaps. It's not clear what the, what the actual causality is, but if you go and take some giant body of data and you, and you ask what's correlated with um, that something that looks like date rape as the, as the end product, one of the, one of the correlative factors turns out to be things like um, who pays. Uh, the, uh, a similarly not terribly powerful correlation is found with whose car it is or whose room it is or things like These are issues of control that it's more likely that... Um, you know, uh, that, again, is a sort of a weak correlative bit of data. His car is more dangerous than her car from that point of view. Does it mean that everybody with a car is a rapist? No, of course not. Doesn't mean anything of the sort. But it, uh, but there's a correlation there. These are small-ish effects. If you want a big effect, um, go for alcohol. Uh, if you read this literature. Just somewhat depressing literature, but if you read this literature, um, you find that at least a majority of cases um, reported seem to involve uh, consumption of alcohol, generally fairly large amounts of alcohol. So in one of the studies, it's, uh, in, 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 in several of the studies, it's anywhere between 50 and 75 percent of, of, uh, of cases involve consumption uh, of, of alcohol. Um, the, uh, this is alarming 
in, uh, if it's taken in uh, along with the rise in binge drinking on college campuses, that's something that's risen over the last 20 years. And if you assume that a big risk factor for, um, for coercive sexual relations is alcohol, it's not going to be a good thing if there's a lot of binge drinking around. Um, some of this appears to be, uh, in a sense, deliberate, where uh, some guys pressure some women to drink too much in the interests of promoting sexual activity of some variety. But mostly, this is a case of um, what Floyd Alexander, is it Floyd or Lloyd? I can't remember. It says on the handout, right? Floyd, where'd he go? It Franz. Well, it's neither Floyd nor Lloyd. No, Lloyd Alexander. Lloyd, I, that's that's a lovely uh, a lovely blend. Lloyd Alexander is an author of of uh, young adult uh, fantasy novels, right? Which some of you may have read. Um, Franz Alexander is the the. American Freudian, so you put Freud, Franz and Lloyd together and apparently you get Floyd Alexander, who's nobody. But Franz Alexander, this early American Freudian, uh, had the felicitous line that the superego is soluble in alcohol. Um, the, we might be more inclined today to look at, at, at the neuroimaging data that says, oh look, here's this chunk of the frontal lobe. It seems to monitor errors. Oh, look, here's this chunk of the frontal lobe on alcohol. Wow, it's really suppressed. Even, I mean, alcohol is an, uh, has an inhibitory effect on the nervous system. It has a particularly strong inhibitory effect on the chunk of the brain that, to the best of our knowledge, is there for uh, doing things like error monitoring. If your error monitoring device is off, all sorts of stupid things happen. Um, and if your error monitoring is off in, in, the, in the context of sexual activity, um, all sorts of stupid sexual activity sorts of things happen. That looks to be the most likely path for the effects of alcohol. It simply makes people do um, stupid things. The, um, both the man and the woman. It, it, it's it's a, uh, an, an equal opportunity stupidifier. Um, by the, 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 while it is an equal opportunity stupidifier, suppose that um, uh, she subsequently thinks that, or that, that she, well, let's suppose this ends up in court. She charges him with um, date rape in some fashion or other. Um, if everybody's drunk, what's the chance that, uh, that there's a conviction? That's about right. Um, you don't you, you don't end up getting a uh, um, you, you, you don't end up getting a conviction um, typically if there's a lot of alcohol involved, and um, if everybody's drunk, blame tends to migrate to the woman uh, in in these sorts of, in these sorts of cases. I'm not arguing that that is the right thing or anything. It's just an interesting uh, factoid about um, about responsibility. It turns out, at least in legal settings, to be very difficult to get a conviction about for any of this if, uh, if everybody is apparently drunk. Um, these days, uh, in, in a dubious sort of progress, we can improve on alcohol with uh, so-called date rape drugs. Um, 
I put the name of, uh, of, of the date rape drug. I mean, it's one to get sort of labeled that on, on, on the handout. But there's a class, uh, there's a whole class of these um, out there. They are, uh, the, the, the one on the handout in particular is, is part of a family of, of tranquilizers that are like Valium, basically. And they, uh, their, their effects are to produce disinhibition, relaxation of voluntary muscles, and great amnesia. They, they, they produce an anterograde amnesia. Review time, right? Anterograde amnesia, that's amnesia from after the point of the insult. So in this case, getting hit over the head is taking the drug. So you have an amnesia for events uh, subsequent to taking, um, taking the drug. So uh, you're disinhibited, stuff happens, and you don't remember. Um, here there are repeated reports of cases of... Um, uh, drinks being spiked with drugs and things of that sort. Um, so there is more of a sense that these may be being used in, in, a, in a deliberate sort of a uh, uh, sort of a sense. The uh, alcohol, by the way, potentiates the effects of these sort of tranquilizers. So a mixture of alcohol and one of these drugs is, is a, uh, um, a really potent way to end up doing things that you don't have any intention of doing and would not do were all of your neurons functioning in a halfway reasonable fashion. Um, let's see, other risk factors that I put on the handout. Um, what do you do at time A is a risk factor for time B, it says on the handout. That, that, just, uh, that just says what... Uh, um, uh, you know what, 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 what your nervous aunt used to say, or something like that. That you know, if, if you're holding hands with somebody, the next thing you know, you're hugging them, and if you're hugging them, the next thing you know, and then they, so each progressive act increases the likelihood of the next act. Again, that's just uh, the sort of thing that you're going to pull out of correlative data. The other biggie in risk factors is miscommunication. Um, did anybody talk to anybody uh, in, in the process of, 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 this, of this interaction? Um, you off, just as you get in report after report, uh, you get reports of alcohol use, you also hear as an over, uh, a, a recurring litany, um, she said, he said sorts of reports. She thought she said this, he thought he heard that. Um, so there's uh, some variety of miscommunication there. This raises the, uh, the issue of consent. Um, that the notion is, you know, the, 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 the foundational notion is that you want all sexual relations to be consensual in some fashion. Most people will sign on to that no notion in a pretty straightforward kind of manner. Um, but exactly what consent means is rather difficult to, uh, to make concrete. If you're in a laboratory situation, con uh, consent is spectacularly con concrete. You have to fill out forms. But nobody fills out forms in, in, uh, um, in, in sexual relations. Right? Every now and then you get some uh, well-meaning... Uh, 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 Antioch, had a, had a, Antioch College had a... Uh, a, a uh, a behavior code that boiled down to a consent form for um, for interpersonal relations, um, but it, nobody really runs their life that way, you know. Hi, I think our relationship has gotten to a certain point. Would you please sign the following 16-page form? <laughs> it, it it just doesn't it doesn't quite ring 
true. Um, though, in fact, it might be a marvel. And most of these sound a little. M- m- most of these efforts sound a little like softcore porn for the for the uh, academic class, right? That you know, long written out uh, forms that describe in detail who's going to do what to whose body. Um, you know, it might not be. It, it might be a kind of an interesting exercise. But suffice it to say that communication in intimate relationships doesn't look like that. And the possibilities are rife for miscommunication. And when you um, when you ask in survey data about um, relationships that became coercive in some fashion, what you find out is that there seems to be a, a, a there often seems to be a core chunk of uh, of miscommunication. So this gives us some sort of, a, uh, of an epidemiological look at the problem. It doesn't have any explanatory power in itself. It just says that, look, there are these things that ha- are, are, are risk factors. It's more likely that if you're, if you're drunk in the back of his car that, that something's going to happen. Um, the, uh, how can we understand this from a, a, a more theoretical, um, theoretical point of view? The... Um, well, that's why it says theories on the handout, I see. The, uh, the theories, and again, one of the reasons for talking about this is it gives me a lovely chance to go back and, and review the entire course. The theories run the usual run that you should be extremely familiar with at this point. There are, um, uh, well, since we're in the chunk of course on abnormal psychology, there are psychopathological theories that say that the guys who end up um, uh, accused of, of date rape are sick, that they are, um, that they are mentally ill in some fashion. Uh, that is not a bad theory for what's known as blitz rape, for the stranger in the bushes kind of rape. Those guys, when you, and again, it's overwhelmingly males who, who commit uh, uh, stranger, you know, uh, well, blitz rape is, 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 the, is the term for some stranger grabs a person and rapes them. Um, those guys, those rapists, when they are um, studied, don't look psychologically normal, typically, as a population. They, 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 look, they look deviant. However, there's nothing in the, um, in, in the date rape population that looks like that. Um, it, uh, you know, the usual, the standard description in a court case, I think I mentioned, is, you know, oh, just a regular guy, just the guy next door. And that really seems to be the case. Um, there's some evidence... For instance, that they might drink more than the population as a whole, but that's uh, you know that, that that's that's not telling you um, very much. So, if it's not an individual pathology, there are a class of of theories out there that se- suggest that it's a gender pathology, that it's a problem of guys in general. Um, the name, uh, at least that I most closely associate with this, is Thornhill, um, or Thornhill and Thornhill, since there appear to be two of them from the reference on the handout. Um, but uh, I think only one of them wrote the book. Two of them wrote the article. There's an MIT Press book that, that, that uh, made uh, quite a bit of a stir in, in, in the media, oh, it must be five years ago now or so, that made that 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 addressed the argument, the evolutionary psych argument, that rape is a uh, is adaptive. 
This is not, again, to explain is not to condone. This is not that, that Thornhill was busy saying, you know, it's adaptive, so it's good. It, they're saying that it's got an evolutionary adaptive uh, function to it. And that function, I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out if you were following the earlier arguments. If a male's goal is, oh, let's go propagate our genes, um, and, uh, and, and because he doesn't get pregnant and she does, there's this asymmetry. She wants somebody who's going to have commitment to the whole project. He just wants to impregnate women and, and get those genes into the, into the next generation, um, taken to the extreme, somebody who goes out and just forcibly goes and impregnates people has a chance of getting more of their genes into the next generation, um, and, and, uh, and, and maybe that's, a, uh, uh, maybe that's adaptive. Um, one can argue that there is no specific adaptation towards sexual violence, but that it is the, the combination of a general um, elevate. Males are, on average, more aggressive than females. There's lots of data for this. Um, it, at the start of the women's movement, there was a, a, a fairly strenuous effort to... Uh, to argue that the differences in aggression between males and females were all just driven by culture, that little boys were trained to be soldiers and little girls were, were trained, you know, they were playing with the dolls and the guys were playing with the guns. And so in, in the 70s, 80s, you know, the, 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 the thing you did if you were a, 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 you know, a, a parent of feminist sort of inclinations as you made sure that your little girl had guns and your little boy had dolls. And the experience over the course of, oh, I suppose it's a generation or so now, is that, you know, if you're a little boy, you can make a gun out of Barbie, too. Right? If you hold her just right, she looks like a submachine gun. Um, and and, and uh, there... To, to recapitulate a, a, a large literature in a, in a line or so, there is, there is plenty of evidence at this point that, um, that human males are bigger and more aggressive than, than human females. Not true across the entire animal kingdom. I, I don't think I've told you about the octopus. Right? The, the greatest case of sexual asymmetry in the animal kingdom, as far as I know, is some seagoing octopus um, that I think they were was actually only discovered as a species uh, within the last decade or so. But this this is a, an, uh, an, an octopus where the female, the, the male is um, small enough that he could fit into her eye. So this is this is this is an asymmetrical species. So he's she's it's not clear. It, 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 his his goal in life his goal in life seems to you know, he, he's a little he's a little octopus harpoon, and his goal in life is, is, is to impregnate one of these gigantic baboom baboom octopuses that's swimming around. It, it, it's abundantly unclear that she knows what's happened at all, right? babies or something. I don't know. what Do octopus bear live young or not? I don't remember. Anyway, very dramatic asymmetry running the other, um, running the other direction. 
Um, and and e- even within, uh, uh, e- even um, there, there are plenty of species where the female is the more aggressive species also. Did I tell you about spiders? Yeah, I told you about spiders. Spiders, you know, what are, um, oh, praying mantises are good too. Praying, and pr- praying, mantis, uh, uh, praying mantis sexual relations apparently involve her biting off his head, um, which apparently doesn't impair his functions as a mate at all. One of the great advantages of a, of a, of a distributed nervous system, the head is overrated in praying mantises apparently. Um, yeah, everything is out there, but in male, in, 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 in humans, it's clear that, that, that there are, that males are more aggressive. Between being more aggressive and being inclined to have more uh, sexual partners, again, probably because of evolutionary um, forces, you could imagine that um, rather than having uh, sexual aggression as a specific adaptation, it ends up being a, uh, a sort of a byproduct of of, uh, of other facts that occur. Um, the uh, the notion that 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 rape is a sort of a male pathology, a gender wide pathology, doesn't only show up in biological theories. It also shows up in in very sociological theories of of sexual behavior, notably in feminist theories. Um, in in uh, one version of these uh, would be the theory that uh, this I'm borrowing from uh, a book by Sanday is that rape is the means by which men are programmed for violence, a way to induct men, uh, younger men, into masculine roles. That it's somehow a training ground. She argues that there in in, in cultures. Um, where everybody sort of lives at harmony with nature that, 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 and, and the mother-child bond is, is sacred and things like that, 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 uh, that this doesn't happen, that, that rape happens in, in cultures where you need guys to go out and deal with the dangerous world. They've got to go out and, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, do in the, the bears and the lions or something, um, and that rape is in some sense a training ground uh, for that. It's an odd theory on two grounds, actually, this one. Um, the uh, one, one reason is it's desperately unclear that there are any of these lovely pastoral societies out there. We used to think, um, people like Margaret Mead had told us, that down in the South Seas, there were, in Samoa, there were people without sexual hang-ups. Everybody you know, you know, got along marvelously, and, 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 and uh, it, was, it was all lovely. Um, the data don't look so good when you go back and look Subsequently, she saw a little bit of what she wanted to see. And if you go and look at, um, uh, it, when you go and look at these nice, simple cultures, you get, you, you get these reports from time to time of um, hunter-gatherer cultures that live in harmony with nature and stuff like that. When you actually go look at it, it turns out they murder and rape each other at exactly the sort of rates that we murder and rape each other. Um, it's, it's, there is no Garden of Eden out there, at least not anymore, um, where everybody is living in, in, in beautiful harmony. Um, the other, uh, another problem with, with, with the theory that, it, that it's got a, a, a general role is that it's, uh, you know, the, the, the culture as a whole, at least explicitly, says that rape is illegal and says that rape is bad. That makes it hard to argue that the entire you know, male gender is in on some plan to use this as a training ground for going out and killing the bears or something of that sort. Um, a much more interesting, it seems to me, feminist account 
of what's going on is that, that rape is a giant confident, a, a, a protection racket run by males. Um, now, I, 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 in, in, if you read feminist tracts on this, it, I, I, I think they write as though um, uh, th- th- there's, there's some group of guys sitting around somehow deciding explicitly that this is the way things are. Um, but the theory makes more sense if you think of it uh, implicitly. Rather like, if, if, you, if you think about it in terms of the cuckoo story, remember the you know, cuckoos, cuckoos are going and, and cheating and laying eggs in, in, in other birds' nests, but you can't have too many cuckoos. The argument runs in a very, because you have to have too many cuckoos, everybody dies, right? The, the argument runs in a similar kind of way in this argument. You can't have everybody, um, you know, you can't have all males being rapists. That just isn't a recipe for, for you know, civilization. Um, but if you have, if the society condones or spits up or creates a cadre of, of rapists, then the rest of the guys can take on the role of protecting women from those, uh, from those bad guys. Right? The argument is that, that rape is condoned in the society, perhaps implicitly rather than explicitly. Um, you know, I've got a useful normal curve here. You know, we'll have a few guys out here who are bad. Um, and... and we, the rest of us, us good guys, can now protect women from those bad guys. Well, what's that going to mean? Well, it might mean, gee, you shouldn't go out much, for instance. You know, you should stay, you should stay at home. Um, or, um, uh, or, or you, should, uh, you should not be seen by men. You should, not be, you should not wear this. You should not do this. In any case, feminist argument argues that um, it's a tool that it can be a tool of control over women, even if you only have a very small minority of, uh, of males engaging in the, uh, uh, in the activity. That strikes me as, as, a, uh, as, as actually a fairly clever argument. I don't know if it's true, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting argument. Um, the... Uh, Feminist arguments often point towards pornography as a, uh, as a culprit here, as a training ground, um, in the sense that uh, if, if, you, if, you, uh, if you took the earlier notion that the, the mind gets to pick how to, you know, how, gets to pick its, its, its abnormality, gets to pick how to go insane, if you like, from the menu that's provided by the broader culture. So, you know, currently if you want to have a dissociative disorder, the way to have it is a multiple personality disorder. A couple of hundred years ago, it might have been to, have a, to be possessed by a demon. These are the scripts, if you like, provided by the culture. Feminist writers argue that pornography, and notably violent pornography, provides the script for, um, uh, for coercive sex. And, and uh, have... Uh, a number of feminist legal scholars have worked hard, Catherine McKinnon is the most famous name here, have worked hard to make at least some classes of pornography illegal on grounds that they are actually dangerous to women, that, that, that it's not a free speech issue, that it's, a, uh, um, that it's really a, uh, a health and safety sort of issue. Um, so you've got levels of explanation 
that occur at the uh, um, at, at psychological, biological, uh, sociological levels. Um, probably the well. I've, let, 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 let me give you a version that's uh, that's perhaps a a, a version. Um, that, that would fit the, the, the general ethos of this course, which is that the answer is never, it's all biology or it's all sociology or something like that. It's, all, it, it's, it's something, some curious interaction that's taking place. Well, what's going on here? Um, what occurred to me uh, to, between this morning's version of this lecture in concourse and this afternoon's is that the job um, may be less to explain... Um, uh, coercive sexual relations, um, which you can see as, uh, uh, you know, there, there's, like everything else, sexual relations are going to be distributed along some normal curve. I mean, it's going to have multiple dimensions, but this one can be on a scale from, you know, con- uh, uh, extremely consensual to extremely not consensual. Um, the, I, I suppose the extremely consensual uh, abnormality one is, is the one where people really do sign forms or something like that and, 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 and talk to each other in great detail about what's going to happen next. Um, but uh, the, the, the job may be not just to explain or uh, to explain this um, the extreme point on what's after all going to be a normal function but to explain how the, uh, the overall behavior gets put in place altogether. Um, it's one of those. It's one of those behaviors where high school health class, notwithstanding, nobody gives you much in the way of, of lessons, and the lessons that you get are, are, are stupid lessons that you get from listening to um, you know your peers lie their heads off in the locker room. Um, so the behavior is where, where is this behavior coming from? People are uh, learning this behavior in some fashion. We're not, after all. Um, you know, praying mantises where the whole business is just wired into some ganglion in your spinal cord and if you take off the head, everything works just fine anyway. Um, so where's this behavior coming from? The, the pieces, fortunately for the handout, I'm not going to depart wildly from the handout, the pieces strike me as similar to the pieces I was going to use anyway. One important piece, and it's back to this idea that you get to choose your... Um, your disorder or your, just your behavior in some fashion from the set of behaviors that your culture presents to you. Part of that is, is, is what we can consider to be the, uh, the power of narrative thought um, in, in these sorts of behaviors. Uh, what's narrative thought? To review, um, I think. So propositional thought is you know, moving symbols around and, and, and the sorts of things you might do in problem set land. Um, Narrative thought is, is, is storytelling. I thought it was going to be the, uh, you, got the, you, got the you got the stuff. She's got the stuff. It's good. It's got nothing. This is, this is the evaluation forms for later. Um, the, uh, so na- na- narrative thought is about telling stories to yourself. Um, and um, it's about telling yourself who you are. Right? If you ask, why did that happen? Uh, you know, you don't generally sit down and start writing equations about it. You, you run through stories in your head. If you ask what's going to happen next, you very much start running stories in your head. If I ask her out, what's going to happen? Um, that is, that's sort of narrative thought. Well, where do the narratives come from um, in, uh, um, in, 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 the, uh, in, in the case of relations between... Uh, 
you know, between the sexes? Well, uh, let me give you a cartoon version of an answer to that, um, but I think it is illustrative. So if you go to the, uh, if you go to the romance aisle, I mean, if you want to understand the narrative about romance, you might as well go to the aisle in, in, in Borders that says romance on it. I mean, if you go to the aisle that says engineering, you, you can find something different. So you go to the romance aisle, and there's rack after rack of books. Conveniently enough, I, I, I don't know what's in these books by and large, because it's not a genre I read extensively. But I look at the covers, um, and the covers seem uh, pretty, well, illustrative, as it were. What's on the cover of your typical, um, your typical romance novel? All right, well, let's start with the basics. How many people are there on the cover of the... Two. Two, that's a good number. Okay. Um, I'm sure somewhere that there is a, a genre of, of same-sex uh, romance novels, um, but they're not typically what's, what's on the shelf at, at, at Borders or, or Barnes & Noble or something. There what you've got is you've got two people. One of them is uh, a, a male, and one of them is a female. I will assert... That in, in, in uh, case after case, um, the, uh, um, it's the same picture, more or less, driven, drawn in some gaudy kind of fashion. But the picture looks like this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we got two people. We got this picture. Do we know which one is the guy? Who's uh-huh. so one person? There, there, there's this guy. He's the guy, the pirate, the sailor, the sometimes the doctor, or something like that. The you know I don't think I've ever seen one where it was the college professor. It doesn't seem to be on the list at all. Um, and the. Um, and, and then, there's, then there's the woman who's, who's having clothing issues, typically. Um, the, uh, and, and she's in this, you know, sort of supine position. Or, or, um, this is telling you something. Uh, oh, and by the way, this, what, what, I was doing research on this, I kid you not. Um, well, I, you know, I thought... I thought I'd better check whether it's still true. You know, it could be that in this latter day... I mean, if you ask, for instance, the the, the standard... Actually, I should ask again because these things keep shifting. Um, You know, the standard model when I was... Well, when I was in high school, whatever the standard model was, I was ignoring it and and was completely clueless. But in any case, the standard model appeared to be that the male person asked the female person out. Um, Sometime uh, that sort of disappeared, near as I can tell, and nobody asked anybody out, and and people just sort of, it was kind of like a chemical thing. Um, Numbers of women and men were in the same place, and and, and by some mysterious technique, you know, they bonded. Um, But, so, uh, let's see, how do we, we might, since all the data here are survey data, let's get some survey data. Um, uh, typically, is it, is it typical for males to ask out females? Um, how, how, how many think that that's typical? How many think it's typical for females to ask out males? 
Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay, that, see, that, that's interesting because that's not the answer that I would have gotten from... I haven't asked that question reliably every year, but it's not the answer I would have gotten 10 years ago. Um, ten, 10 years ago, the, you know, the, the local custom had changed so that you know, everybody was sort of asking everybody or nobody was asking nobody, but, but there wasn't this sort of notion that, that, that males specifically were taking the lead and, 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 and asking females. Um, and so in a sense, it sounds like it's reverted to um, uh, a, 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 the, the pattern that existed when, uh, well, I won't say how many years ago, but it was a few years ago. Um, anyway, so I, I, I thought I got I to check whether or not the, 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 the romance novels you know, still look like this. Um, so I went to Borders and went down to the romance aisle and I discovered that this cool new thing, the cool new thing, uh, at least it's new to me, is that the, the literature has become, uh, the, the, the romance literature, these sort of series books, have become explicitly stratified. Um, that uh, there are now multiple series of these things. They're color-coded. It looks like Homeland Security. It's great. Um, because it runs, it runs from, I think, a sort of a blue-green line, which has a title something like Family Values. Um, and and, uh, and, and that, then it runs over to this red line here. I can't remember what it's, it's what the title of this is. I mean, this is all under the sort of general heading of Harlequin Romance or one of those big romance publishers. But you know, it's got some word like torrid in it or something like that. Um, but, um, but, but, but interestingly, the uh, the only difference in covers that I could detect on on, on a brief survey is. Um, is that uh, in the family values thing, both parties are still more or less upright. Um, but he's sort of leaning in. By the time you get to the torrid one, you know, she's... Boom, you know, she's it's, anyway, the principle is the same. It is not the case that... that uh, there, there, there just are no books out there. In, well, it's probably one out there somewhere. The, 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 uh, the central tendency of the distribution does not have a lot of female pirates overwhelming, uh, you know, mild-mannered accountants or something like that. It's just not, it's just not there. Um, okay, so I'm only using this as an example of um, a narrative that I think is very widely out there, right? You can pick it up in movies, you can pick it up on TV and, and, and so on. Importantly... It is not a narrative with, with anything like rape written at the top of it. It's a, it's a narrative with romance or seduction or something written at the top of it. And the promise in the vast bulk of cases that the, that the ending is, is going to come out um, positive. I'd love to know what they just found on the web over there. You're looking up gay romance novels. Okay, well... Thank you for being diligent in your research there. That's, uh, um, well, it's, of course, it's, well, you, you, you can tell me who, who's, anyway, never mind. We'll, we'll, they don't have pictures. This is, meantime, there are several people trying to figure out on their cell phones what, what, what's, what's there. Um, anyway, so there's a, the, the, the script out there. The sort of script that people are operating from um, is, 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 a, uh, is a script 
where, well, you know, it's, 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 it's that sort of script. Um, the, uh, again, importantly, not with the idea that, uh, that, there's, that, that it's not going to be consensual or whatever, but the notion here is that it's going to be, um, in effect, the male who's doing the asking and the female who is giving or not giving consent in, uh, in some fashion. This is uh, presumably tied into evolutionary psych roots that we've talked about already. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that there's evidence that males um, experience the falling in love part of falling in love more rapidly in a relationship than females. They certainly want uh, more sexual partners and, and, and sex more often by all by all sorts of measures. These sort of pressures are likely to produce a situation in which it is the guy who's asking and the, uh, the woman who is either giving or not giving consent. Now, um, if it is the case that the, uh, the male is falling in love more rapidly or falling in lust more rapidly, it kind of doesn't matter, um, it follows that, uh, that the first answer is going to be no, right? Or that, that, that typically there are going to be some no's. In, if, if, if this is the script, that the conversation is going to involve a bunch of no's. Now we should switch gears a little and do a little reviewing of, um, uh, of learning theory sorts of things. I think it says something on the handout like the power of conditioning. But let's, let's think a little bit uh, about learning theory. Uh, well, let's think about law of effect kind of stuff for starters. Um, uh, the drive to reproduce is a strong one. There are strong positive reinforcers associated with, uh, with, with, with sex. Nobody spends a lot of time... I mean, look, if you think about the amount of... of, of you don't need, I don't need to explain that. You knew that already. Um, so, it's going to be... What, what Thorndike's law of effect tells you is that any of the sort of yes activities here um, at any level in the relationship are going to be positively reinforcing and are going to tend to reinforce whatever happened beforehand. And so, one of the things that people are doing and one of the things that they don't appreciate that they're doing, even if they're signing 15-page consent forms, which they're not, is that people are shaping each other. The activities that, that, that couples are engaging in with each other are, um, you know, it's, it's your own private Skinner box. And you're busy shaping that pigeon who is the other half of this relationship. The, 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 the great difference, of course, is you're, 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 you're both the experimenter and the experimental animal in, 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 your, um, in your study here. But let's just think from the, uh, the male's point of view. So the, the, male is, um, uh, the, the male is hearing a lot of no's if the relationship um, is eventually going to progress to, you know, let's have 15 children. Um, then eventually there will be some variety of yes in here. Um, that sounds like what kind of schedule of reinforcement? Brumpf. No, somebody needs to raise a hand, and nobody's going to raise their hand. They've all gotten shy. This is so pathetic. 
that you, if you scratch your head, you're going to end up getting called on there. I thought that was... All right, all right. So the answer is this is, this is a partial... Uh, uh, a, a, a partial reinforcement schedule or, or, or more like a variable ratio schedule. It's not a variable interval schedule unless you have a very weird relationship. No, no, no. Monday, yes. No, no, no. Monday, yes. Um, the, that, that, that's a weird relationship. But more likely it's no, 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 yes, maybe no, yes, yes, no, 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 no. Anyway, um, what do we know about those sorts of schedules? What do they produce in the way of behavior? High, high rates of, if, if this all sounds completely new to you guys, you've got work to do between now and, and, and next Thursday, let me tell you. Um, but these sort of schedules of reinforcement, if it's, in a, uh, if it's in a rat trying to get fed, produce very high rates of bar pressing. Um, if it's in a guy, it presumably produces very high rates of bar pressing too. So he's going to emit a lot of behavior there. Um, and it's also very hard to extinguish. So um, if you decide at some point to say uh, no forever, um, it, it may be a long time before the guy gets the hint, um, at, least, at, at, least, at least the pigeon aspect of the guy. Um, the, um, so, oh, one other thing, to, to tying into this, we ought to say one more thing based on the sort of romance novel uh, example, which is that the dialogue doesn't tend to be great in those things. Right, you know, you know, guys doing manly things, pounding on their chests, and, 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 and females swooning or something like that. But, but there's just not a lot of conversation. So in the absence, you're this giant committee, right? You're this, that, that, another theme from the whole course. Your, your brain, your mind is this, is this committee of um, semi-independent operators. Well, there's one operator there that's, that's doing the you know, verbal consent thing um, and, and thinking deep thoughts, but, but it's in a script that does not have much in the way of, of good um, dialogue in it. That leaves this other chunk of your brain, the chunk that, that has an awful lot in common with rats pressing bars for food in Skinner boxes, a lot of realm to, 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 to govern behavior. If you're not going to govern behavior with, I don't know, what you might want to call higher cognitive powers, well, these nice associative learning mechanisms will do a perfectly fine job for you. Mmm, got reinforced. Let's do that again. Um, or something of that sort. So you end up with a situation... Um, where you've got multiple forces uh, acting on you, um, and you, you've sort of systematically disabled uh, some of the, uh, uh, of the more intellectual parts of you. Um, it, it reminds me, I don't, how many people have been to the Science Museum? Another place you should go sometime. If you haven't been, I think you get in free, right? you get in free? Yep. yep, get in free, go to the Science Museum. Um, what you'll discover if you go to this, I don't think, I don't know if you'll still discover it. Remember my spiral? Somebody, somebody from 900 went and was a volunteer in the science museum and, and said, oh, you got to build this cool, they still have a great motion after effect spiral, which I believe is patterned on, on, on having seen it. In, in this class years ago, um, and then when they would, uh, they would do the little show, they were using my lines. It was, you know, they weren't even, I didn't even get residuals. Anyway, the, um, but one of the demos they have there in the math section 
is this wonderful thing with a bunch of endless collection of pins arranged in this sort of triangular way. One, two, three. Is it was that that Pascal's triangle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Pascal. Anyway, it, it's it's a version of that. Anyway, the, the the cool version of the demo is that you drop a ball at the top and it bounces from pin to pin, and, and in effect, at each pin, it's got a 50-50 crack of going one way or the other. And if you have enough layers of, of, of pins, what you end up with is, is essentially, well, is, is, is exactly in the limit, uh, is, is a nice normal distribution. Um, that from a, 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 a pin that you, um, uh, from a ball that, that is, you know, just completely neutral, dropped at the, uh, at, at, at the top, most of the time it's going to end up here. Sometime it's going to end up at, at one extreme or the other. I suspect that this is not a bad model for a wide range of behaviors. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll argue in closing that it's a good model, uh, that, that, that it's at least a model worth thinking about in, for, uh, for something like coercive sexual behavior. That we know, or at least we think we know, that the population of guys engaging in, be, in that behavior are not sitting out here in some separate distribution. They seem to be um, part of the regular, the, you know, the distribution of regular guys. They've just ended up in an odd part of the distribution. And it may well be that this collection... Um, you know, if you want, you can think of it in the, in, in, the, uh, in the shaping, in terms of shaping, that the collection of positive uh, reinforcers that they got just bounced randomly off into this direction and produced what boils down to a very maladaptive behavior where the same guy starting from the same point might well have ended up in the... Would, most guys starting up from the same point would have ended up in the same... Uh, in, in, in this vast bulk of the normal end of the distribution or the normal middle of the distribution that you don't need to posit that there's anything specifically wrong and that you might have a very difficult time the, 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 the perhaps disturbing piece of this if you were trying to set public policy is that you might have a very difficult time trying to say gee, what can we do that would prevent this tale from happening because it might really be the result of a succession of, of, uh, of random events. One thing that you might guess is that the degree to which you let uh, uh, you know, the cognition back into the game and let it run less on the rat pushing the bar kind of thought, the less chance that you have of, of, of ending up in some maladaptive corner of this particular distribution, but that's, that's not desperately clear. Can I prove this? No. Um, the, uh, and, and so does that mean that the right answer on the final will be, you know, where does abnormal, uh, where, where does coercive sex come from? Apparently it, 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 it comes from bouncing down the pin. No, you know, that's, this is clearly marked as Wolf's theory, and not only that, it's Wolf's theory since this morning. I may decide by this evening that it was really dumb and feel deeply humiliated that I ever got up and said it in public. Um, but at the moment, um, at the moment I don't. Um, but what I do feel is that what I want to do... Well, I want to do a couple of things. Thing one is to say thank you for listening all term. Um, you know, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a privilege to be able to yak for a whole term and have people listen. It doesn't happen at home much. Um, the second um, 
there are two different um, forms floating around. Well, actually, they're not floating around.